been talking about um, how God is our king. This has been our theme for the last few weeks and will be again next week. And really what we've been speaking about is, is how we relate to God as king or what that means for us if God is king, then what does that mean for who we are? Um, so the first Sunday we talked about how if God is king and we are God's children, then we are uh, we're part of that royal family. We're like princes and princesses in God's royal family. Um, so we're really God's children, and we're part of that. Um, last week, we talked about how we're ambassadors of the king, that the king has a message and has a proclamation to send out, this message of reconciliation uh, between him and all people and between people, and that we bring that message out into the world and into our lives. This week, we're talking about how God has a royal priesthood and, uh, and what that means for us, that we are called this priesthood. This is a really kind of foreign concept for most of us to think of ourselves as priests. Um, we can look at what a priest does, um, and then we can also kind of look at the status of a priest. And so we get this text in 1 Peter, where we are indeed called a royal priesthood, that we're chosen for this, and we're, we're set apart as this, as this priesthood. And we've got to look at, in ancient Israel, what priests had. Priests had a, a kind of elite status, within Israel. Priests were thought of those who can get close to God. And there was this understanding of God who is completely holy. God is uh, away from us, that there's this separation between us and God, human beings and God. And priests could, could get between, could be a kind of mediator between the regular people and God. Only priests can get close. And there were all kinds of uh, purification rituals that priests had to go through in order to even do things like performing sacrifices and doing those things that were of the temple and being close to God. In particular, there was a chief priest or a high priest um, who had, could only once a year go into the Holy of Holies inside the temple where it was believed that God's presence dwelt most fully on earth, was inside this Holy of Holies. And the high priest had to go through all kinds of rituals in order to just go in there and was only allowed to go in there one day of the whole year, the Day of Atonement. Because God is too holy to approach. Regular people... They, they, can't, they didn't offer sacrifices in ancient Israel. Only priests were allowed to do that. So a regular person would bring their sacrifice to the temple and they would give it to the priest. The priest would offer it on their behalf to God. So priests are the only ones who have this sort of close, sort of elite status in Israel. We get to... First Peter, and every believer is told, you're a priest. You get that same status. You get to stand in God's presence. 
Now, what's interesting is this didn't seem to really have much effect over the centuries of Christianity. Um, we, what we did was we created an elite status within Christianity and called them priests and said only they can do the certain rituals within the church, like the sacraments. And the regular people are not really quite as close to God as the priests are. And there was someone named Martin Luther who didn't really like that, amongst a number of other things that he didn't like about the way the church was structured. But he was really the one who, uh, he didn't say it exactly like this, but it came to be known as the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. So it took about 1,500 years for us to really pay attention to this First Peter text. And then other reformers picked it up and said, yeah, that's right. There is nothing special about any human beings. Or another way of looking at it is, there is something special about every human being. We're all priests. We all have access to God. There's nobody on the outside. And the only mediator between us and God the Father is Jesus himself. And no human being can stand in that place. All of us have direct access to God. All of us get this status of priests to stand in God's presence. And what's important here is that it's not an abolishment of the status of priesthood. Okay? So it's not that Jesus then does away with priesthood. Instead, it's, uh, it's conferring that status on all who are in Christ. That's actually quite important. What we might need to do is, is look a little bit at what priests did. That they were these ones who did these ritual actions and they were the ones who uh, offered sacrifices uh, to God on behalf of the greater community. And they had this special status. So the status is conferred on us, but it is the high priest among us who has done everything necessary in terms of the sacrifice. It's important that we are all given priesthood, we're all given this access, because it reminds us that there's still a sacrifice that happened. If we just said, well, uh, nobody's a priest anymore, everybody's the same in God's eyes, and everybody just, uh, everything's fine, it, it kind of makes the grace that's offered in Jesus become a little bit cheap. Because the one true sacrifice is Jesus dying on the cross. And that's very costly. That, that was the sacrifice that actually grants us that status. That is the purification ritual that gives us the opportunity to stand in God's presence. If we do away with that and we just have a God who, a God who just says, oh, it's fine. Then what we have is we kind of have a God who says, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I, I love you. 
you might have done things that are wrong, but it's, it's no big deal. God forgives you anyway. This is actually kind of a common thing we may hear or may think or believe that, that the way a God of love works is to just say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I love you. But that's not quite how a true God of love works. When we see Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, and also the high priest hanging on the cross, what we're reminded of is that it is a big deal. That what we do or leave undone when it is against God's will, it does matter. That this separation between us and God, it's a big deal. That this separation between other people, this relationship, these relationships that need reconciling, that's a big deal. It matters. We don't have a God who just says, oh, don't worry about it. We have a God who says, it's a huge deal, so much so that I had to send my son to die for it, to die for you. See, it's it's a bigger thing for God. If God just says, oh, don't worry about things, it's not a big deal, don't, don't worry, it's okay. If that's how God's forgiveness works, Listen to how small that is in comparison to God saying, it really matters, it's really upset me, it's really offended me, and I forgive you. Isn't that far more powerful? You've really hurt me, God says, and I forgive you. You really hurt me, but my son is taking care of it for you. You're now my priest. You stand in my presence. And you really didn't deserve it. See, when we have the mindset of, well, it's no big deal. God just loves us anyway. It's okay then when we think about standing in God's presence, then it doesn't really have much changing effect on us. We have to have the mindset that it is a big deal, that Jesus died for us. It's a huge deal. And now, when we stand in God's presence, knowing what he has gone through for us, then we have to ask, well, then how do we live? He has raised you to sacred status. And you stand in his presence as one of his priests. So how do you then live? How will you live in that role? That he is just given to you by the grace that he has through his son. How will you live in that role? Again, it might be interesting while the Peter text is really about this status of priesthood that's conferred on us and what it means to stand in God's presence, that's what this text is about, where it talks in verse 10 about once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's what that text is about, but it might be interesting to think about, well, if we're really priests, then what do God's priests do? 
Now, we're probably not going to be offering animal sacrifices as they did in the Old Testament. We know that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice and completed those. But what is that role of priest about? There's really maybe two ways of thinking about this. One is to say, well, this is what it isn't. There are two roles that were very prevalent in ancient Israel. One was that of the priest and one was that of the prophet. And this is a, a neat little separation for us to think through, that the prophet brings a message from God to other people. Right? That's what a prophet does. Prophet is not in the Old Testament about predicting the future, although some prophets do that from time to time. But the, the main thing the prophet does is they hear from God and they bring a message from God. Sometimes it's about the future, sometimes it's about the present, sometimes it's even about the past. The prophet is from God to other people. The priest is generally in the other direction, from people to God. People bring their sacrifices to the priest, and the priest then offers that sacrifice to God. It's taking the people's worship to God. Last week, when we talked about being ambassadors of a message, that is really the, the prophet role. We hear about the message of reconciliation from God, and we take that out and we share that with other people. Each Christian has that role as well. So what would the priest's role be? We're not accepting animals from people to kill them and, and, uh, for God. What are we doing? What might we do as priests? I think really this priest role is about going to God for the sake of other people. If you want to put an action in for that, the number one action you should put in is prayer. Is prayer. We actually do this all the time. We don't think we're acting as priests, but we are. We'll hear about things going on in people's lives, and then we'll take those things to God and offer them to him, to trust him with whatever it is that we're bringing him. I think when we pray, we're acting out this role. When we pray for other people, other situations, we're acting out this role. How will we live in that role now that we've been given that status? We have this status of we are close to God. He's given us that. You have the opportunity to talk to him, but what do priests do? They care about the other person and bring that to God. This is why maybe it's a, quite a big deal, although we don't think of it this way, because we will just say to people, oh, I'll pray for you, as though it's sort of a, I don't know, a side comment. But it's actually central to who Christians are. And some of us, myself included from time to time, may have said, oh, I'll pray for you, and then not actually done it. I don't know if any of you have ever done that. I get to confess up here, but uh, you don't all get to do that. I didn't see any nods, so now I'm worried, right? 
but it's a serious thing, right? And, and you can honestly say that to someone. You have no idea what a difference and an impact that might be making on someone's life for them to know that someone is actually praying for them. And that's even for people who have no idea if they believe in God. They, if they know you believe in God and you say, I'll pray for you, they, they know that that means something for you. It's a big deal. And it makes a big difference, not just in the person's mind, but it actually makes a difference, a real difference. Prayer is so important and so central to who we are. I think this is what it means to, to have that priestly role, to act out our priesthood of all believers, is that we pray. In our prayers, though, and in the way that we interact with other people when we offer prayer for them, we need to not lose sight of the conferring of the status of priesthood. We need to not lose sight of what God did for us in Jesus Christ in dying on the cross for us. Because it's not as though we have this status with God and we can just pray directly to God and, and we deserve it and, we, uh, and that's something that, that we just, it, it's mine and you can't take it away from me. It's a gift that's been given, right? We have to not lose sight of that. Um, because we can at times when we start to pray, it sort of becomes a bit like, I, I used to call this uh, God as a vending machine. It can become like that where, uh, you know, I put my money in the offering, <laughs> put my money in and I'll press the button I want and now I get the, what I want. The prayer becomes, I'm going to try to get what I want from God. I think when it becomes that, what we've done is we've started to lose sight of what it cost for the grace that's been given to us. So our starting place in prayer is actually not our prayers for others. Our starting place in prayer is thanksgiving and praise to God for his grace. So let's not lose sight of that on our prayers as we pray for other people and pray for our world, which are vastly important, but not close to the importance of what God has done for us in Christ. 